It may be football season, but it's not too early to take a look at the hardwood and look at the UCLA men's basketball team locked on UCLA. We take a look at the basketball team for a two part special on throwback Thursday and looking at the current team as we welcome in Jake Handy, a guest of the show. I'm your host, Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, D1 play-by-play broadcaster, just like Jake Handy is, and we're both diehard Bruin fans. We thank you for making Locked On UCLA your first listen each and every day. You can get Locked On UCLA wherever you get your podcast. It's free on all the variety of platforms. Get your hands in the air, Jake. You know what time it is. Also, you two Bruins fans, eight clap time, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you, you, Oh, go Bruins. Oh, man. Excited. I, I always somehow forget that we're going to do that until right before you tell me to do it. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. I, always, I forget every time. But we're not going to forget the key losses to this current edition of the UCLA men's basketball roster, which is where we're going to start. We're going to go over who's here, who's new, and who's gone. And we're starting with who's gone, who's bye-bye. We've gone over the five names who have left the program, whether it's gone pro, transferring, or just simply not playing basketball anymore. And we'll start with the guy who's not playing b-ball anymore. That's Miles Johnson, the what would have been the super, super senior. He's 23 year old, 23 years old already. He was an all-defensive team member in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 coming over from Rutgers. And he had one year of eligibility remaining, looking to finish off his master's program with UCLA. But Johnson announced earlier this year that he's not coming back. Didn't have the most incredible offensive impact, but he did give the Bruins 18 minutes per game. He was 63% field goal-wise, but not a three-point shooting threat. He did average five rebounds per game. That was second on the team in rebounding and just an athletic beast, led the team in blocks, but just unfortunate that they'll miss his significant defensive defensive presence going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was kind of like a situation. I mean, you mentioned that the kid was 23 years old, which I would love to be 23 years old again, personally. <laughs> but as far as college basketball rosters go, you're getting up there in age. And uh, when you sure. finish, if you finish your last year of eligibility there, you'd be 24 years old. So, you know, and Mick Cronin probably told him there'll always be a spot for you here. You know, I don't see Mick Cronin as a guy who's turning down somebody to come play. Who's an all defensive team member in two conferences. No. The guy who's dedicated his life to being a collegiate basketball player, like doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would turn away, but he probably told him like, if there's other things that you need to focus on in life, like you're going to have limited playing time, blah, blah, blah. And Miles Johnson decided to to retire from, from that level of basketball. Um, but opens the door for a lot more young, good UCLA players, which I'm super excited to talk about as well. It's a very youthful presence on the roster, which we'll get to. But speaking of youth, the, the Bruins lose Peyton Watson, who only gave them 12 and a half minutes per game. But it just seemed like he was ready to be a very important player for the Bruins going forward in the future. But they lose him as Peyton Watson, no longer a Bruin. It's just like the other three names we're about to get to really quick. Watson, 12 and a half minutes per game. Quickly, Jake, what are your thoughts about the extremely athletic Peyton Watson? Ah, that one's super tough because Peyton Watson would be an insanely good high-level college basketball player this year. I mean, obviously, he's a top NBA prospect, which is why he went. 
Um, I think that's when Mick Cronin definitely lost last year. He didn't play a lot last year, you know, and especially not as much. It was much, hit or miss. You know, as it, probably not as much as he thought he would play. And I get it. UCLA was coming off the big run, and Mick Cronin was playing all those uh, higher classmen guys who ever come back, the Juzangs, Hawkeyes. You had a really experienced lineup, and it kind of used Watson off the bench as like a spurt of youth to kind of like give you energy when you needed it. Um, that one's that one's tough because I feel like if the Bruins had Peyton Watson this year, I mean they are that is like a Naismith watch, just a, a level of college basketball player that would have been so fun to watch this year. That one is tough to lose. Yeah, six eight from Long Beach, dude. That's and it, just and he's like a point guard, and it's like it's like a six eight with guard handles, and he can get in the lane, and he's so athletic and explosive he's rebounding all over the place he's finishing at the rim drawing fouls everything you would love to see in your lineup but i mean we knew you knew when he came out of high school that he was going to be such a big nba prospect so you hate to see him go but you understand you understand the leaving but man ucla would be a tough customer with peyton watson there this year and they lose cody riley who you, whether you love him, you hate him, put in seven points per game, over 21 and a half minutes per game, four rebounds per game. Just one of those stocky presences down low where he was crucial and vital to that run into the final four in 2021. And he was a nice stocky presence down low, came back for the 2021-22 season, didn't have the biggest offensive impact, but still it's it's sad to see Riley go, you know, he's a, he was a nice big presence down low, but it's not as big as the other two offensive impacts, the big, the big names, but you know, Cody Riley is still a loss that will be felt as a veteran in that locker room. I think you made it. You said it so well, like hate him or love him because I think that was such like people loved and hated Cody Riley. They always want, I think it was Cody Riley, like never grabbed you like 14 rebounds, which you always want to see your center do but the Bruins had Cody Riley playing center. He's like six foot seven, dude. You know what I mean? He's not like a big Peyton Watson was taller than him. I'm saying, you know, know? playing center. Exactly. So it's like, he was so he brought toughness, you know, he was always down there. He never backed down from having to guard the seven foot guy on the other team, the big burly post presence. He always had to get in there and scrap with that guy and did it every time. I, I did have a lot of respect for Cody Riley, and I think you're going to miss that toughness. Whether it showed on a stat sheet or not, he brought that presence and that toughness for them to really feed off of, I think, on the defensive end more than in the other end. Cody Riley, the toughness, the physicality is gone. Jay Kyman actually transferring out of the program, didn't play too much, was expected to be a lethal three-point shooter, didn't end up being that guy. They've leaned heavily on David Singleton to be that guy who shoots over 45% from three. Kyman didn't really trigger it from deep, 29%, a little under eight minutes per game. And for Kyman, he's transferring to a growing Wyoming program that looks ready to jump on and burst onto the national scene out of the Mountain West. So hopefully he has success out as a cowboy, and that might be a program that lends him more time on the floor, gives him a better opportunity to simply just showcase his talents. And hey, when you're playing a bazillion miles above sea level out in Laramie, I think you will have a much better time playing out there. And the Mountain West is good basketball. So if he can prove he can play there, he's still a lethal shooter. Hopefully the best to him as he decided, hey, it's best for me to, to go take my talents elsewhere. 
Yeah, I think it's awesome for Jake Time. I think he's actually going to play there. You said played eight minutes a game here, and I think he's a better basketball player than that, but there's just not room at this level of basketball. And the Mountain West is, as you said, it's not like he's going somewhere where there's not good basketball. I mean, there are some good hoops in the Mountain West, and uh, if he's able to get the playing time, he'll make a difference in that conference. So I think it's actually exciting for Jake Kyman, as sad as it is to see anybody leave the program. It's exciting for him because you're going to actually, you know, if you turn on that late-night Mountain West game on ESPN or whatever it's going to be on, and, oh, okay, whatever, we're just going to turn this on, you might see Jake Kyman in the game, and you're going to be like, wow, look at this guy hit back-to-back threes and get hot or something. Very exciting for him. Before we get to the Johnny Juzangs and the Jules Bernard, they were so vital to the program the last couple of years. We're going to hear some words from Built Bar before we get back to talking about the, the guys who have left the UCLA men's basketball roster in this two-part episode looking in-depth at the UCLA men's basketball team in the 2022-2023 season. Let's hear some words from Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. Most importantly, there's a new flavor, delicious, indulgent cookie dough. That's right. Built has done it again. Cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture. Real cookie dough chunk puffs. And, of course, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It's the perfect treat. Whether you need a snack for your workout or a late-night treat or just a quick bite to eat, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than the candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you, the new cookie dough chunk puff. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Once again, use the promo code LOCKED15, the number 15, and get 15% off your order. Going over the UCLA men's basketball roster and who's gone, this is a two-part episode once again. We'll start this episode, or the two-part, going over the UCLA men's basketball roster here in 2022 and 2023 in this upcoming season on Locked On UCLA, starting with who's left We've slowly teased and built ourselves to two of the biggest weapons UCLA will miss, both defensively, secretly, and obviously the two of the most important offensive weapons the Bruins will miss with Johnny Juzang and Jules Bernard. We'll get to that in detail here in this middle segment. We'll end the show with our throwback Thursday. I believe you guys will love this one. And the second part of this two-pronged episode will include who's still here, And who are the newcomers? That's coming in part two of this UCLA men's basketball roster outlook. So only who's left and throwback Thursday. We're going old. Who's no longer here? The past. That's what this Thursday, throwback Thursday episode is about. Whenever you listen to it, maybe it won't be on a Thursday. Who knows? As I keep rambling on, Jay Candy, our D1 play-by-play broadcaster (laughs) and diehard Bruins fan, saves me from rambling on already too much. Jules Bernard, we'll start with him. Just under 13 points per game. He had 30 minutes per game and was crucial in stretches where Johnny Juzang and even Jaime Hawkes weren't getting the job done offensively. Jules Bernard, I think in the whole scheme of things, will have an underrated impact in terms of his UCLA legacy going forward. 
Actually, I do. I, I, I actually agree with that. I like the way you said he will have an underrated impact because I think it is underrated because what I'm going to say is going to feel like it's downplaying his impact. But I, so I actually like what you just said. I think that what Jules brought when he was working right is tough to replace. It's not irreplaceable, though. And I think you can find you would hope to find whoever is going to fill Jules's role, whatever role that was that he played. Hopefully, there is more consistency. That was one of Jules's downsides, I would say, was he wasn't as consistent. When Jules Bernard was hitting shots, moving the basketball, getting in the lane, floaters, three balls, all that, made it a lot easier for Johnny and Jaime to take over the game. But he didn't always do it, and there was nights where he went very cold, two for whatever, you know, which happens. It's basketball. I get it. Finding some, you know, players like Johnny Juzang and Jaime Hawkes, even when they're having a night like that, they impact the game so much. They they don't have to, you know, be a hot shooter and have such a dialed in game to to impact the game. Those guys just be just getting out there and playing basketball, everything they bring to the table, they're gonna impact the game. But a guy like Jules Bernard, he's gotta he's gotta be hitting shots for his impact to be felt. And I will say, whoever is gonna fill that role. I think that's what Mick Cronin is looking for, uh, just a little bit more consistency. But Jules Bernard was a really good Bruin, and that's why I liked why you said, like, it's going to feel like his his impact was underrated because what I just said definitely feels like it downplayed his impact. But I think that's what you can find there. Hopefully a higher level of consistency with whoever is going to fill his role. An underrated defensive player tied for second on the team in steals, third in the team in assists, he was the third leading scorer for the Bruins. As already mentioned, his scoring was just under 13 points per game. Good for third, just above Tiger Campbell. But just an underrated perspective. As UCLA is losing two guys from last year's roster, last couple of years, who had the ball in their hands a lot. I know Tiger Campbell does have the ball in his hands quite often. He's the, the floor general, the point guard. But in terms of the offensive weapons, of guys who have the balls in their hand a lot. Jules Bernard was almost third on that list, I would think, of guys who you give the ball to get a bucket. And then Johnny Juzang, number one. Those are two guys that UCLA will miss heavily. But at this stage, you're UCLA. It's not, all right, you're missing these guys. you got to retool, reload. This is the stage I think Mick Cronin has brought to the Bruins coming up with Jules Bernard missing, even though I know you want to downplay the impact of Jules Bernard. I think... <laughs> He, he should be loved more than he is. You know, he won't get the love as the Hawkeses, the Juzangs, or even Tiger Campbell, who brings up the basketball. But Bernard, I think, will be lost in the fray. He wore the number one jersey, but now it's going to the international signee in Abramo Zanka. And maybe we'll forget Bernard ever existed, but I think we should remember him. He put in a lot of minutes on the floor and was crucial in big games. I think you make a really good point on a lot of that. Actually, you you should you know what you should lead the Jules Bernard fan club. But you are right. He actually um, he actually was a very underrated defensive player. He did he was good defensively, and um, I mean you got you got to have that defensive toughness and be willing to take every challenge if you're going to play on a Mick Cronin team. And he definitely did do that. Um, I would agree. Also, you said almost third. I would say he was the third like bucket getter. Um, I'm not giving the ball to Tiger Campbell necessarily to really give me a bucket. I trust Tiger Campbell with the ball and I trust him to put it somewhere where somebody can get an easy bucket. But I don't know if like, 
I'm giving it to Tiger Campbell, like go make a play for a, but you know what I mean? Like go take a guy one-on-one. I would definitely have went Johnny Jaime and then Jules. I probably would have said that. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree with, with those things. It's, um, it's funny how the bucket getters all have J's in their name. So they, yeah, you know, sweet Mick, J. Yeah. It really, it really was. It's something in that. I don't know. Um, that's so funny though. Yeah. The, the, this last UCLA roster was going crazy with the J names. There was so many J's out there all the time. Like even Jake Kyman was a Jalen Clark, Jalen Clark, Jules Bernard, Jaime Hawkins, Junior. I was about to tell you, he got three. <laughs> oh man, that was. It must have been fun for Josh Lewin to say all those names or for all the national TV broadcasters to say. Yeah. All I'm the like, names. at least Josh Lewin probably got used to it. He's always, he's always calling them, you know, but the guy who's speaking over, of he, Jays, he only Josh. does three. I know what the heck <laughs> I'm like, the guy who does three games a week is probably, or three games a year for the Bruins is like, sheesh, this is getting a handful over here. Uh, but all joking aside, now we move from Jules Bernard to the guy who I think more than I think the face and Johnny Juzang, it'll be interesting to see how Hawkes his last season, I would think would be something that maybe could surpass Juzang's legacy. If he does something even more special in this upcoming season, but for now, the legacy of the 2020 through 2022 Bruins from the start of 2020 in that late COVID start, through Juzang's two years as a UCLA Bruin and is transferring from Kentucky. He was the face of the Bruins and was the man who had the ball late in the final four game, looking to beat Gonzaga was the man who I think to their detriment last year in the NCAA tournament, where time and time again, throughout the season, they just wanted to see if Juzang could re could replicate his tournament run where he just get bucket after bucket and just made ridiculous shots. And I think they lost the team aspect of it. But that doesn't downplay his importance or how good he was or how highly he maybe should have been rated coming out of his last season as a UCLA Bruin going to the NBA draft and unfortunately not grabbing a hold of anybody's attention. But Juzang is a guy who will be the face, but maybe might be surpassed by Hawkes. What are your thoughts? This might be a hot take. I think. You're, yeah, you know, it, this could be a hot take. I don't know. I'm going to say, well, I don't know. We'll see. Um, 100%, the 2020 run, the face of it. And came into the 2021 season as, like, the face of the UCLA program. Johnny Juzang, I mean, he was, the, the run speaks for itself. We already know. His year, with all the hype, I think it was hard to live up to. So, in a sense, he did not perform the way he wanted to this past year. And I think Jaime Hawkes is like a hit for UCLA and the fan base and the city. I think he's already pretty close. I mean, he's already on the same level of legacy as Johnny Juzang. Like I kind of picture them one in the same. And I think without a doubt, like by the time this year is done, I think people will remember Jaime Hawkes more as a UCLA basketball player than Johnny Juzang, as tough as that is to say. And I think that's a crazy respect to Johnny Juzang because his, the bar he is setting is crazy high. Like Johnny Juzang was an incredible basketball player, but I actually think Jaime Hawkes might have a better UCLA legacy just when it's all done. But regardless, Johnny Juzang losing him, as I said about Jules Bernard, like, you can kind of replace a Jules Bernard and hope to find a, a suitable replacement. I don't think, I mean, you can't really bank on replacing a Johnny Juzang and like his impact of what he brought to a game. It's so hard to find that. Um, you mentioned with Jules Bernard, 
you're losing, and now with Johnny, you're losing two dudes who have the ball in their hands a lot. To me, they are three and four on that list, so at least that's that's like a positive to me. Tiger Campbell handles the ball more than anybody, but you saw Jaime Hawkins when Tiger would be out of the game. Jaime Hawkins was like the primary ball handler who would bring the ball up and initiate the offense, and I loved it. I think he's so good at it. He can play all three levels of basketball, under the rim, mid-range, and on the outside. I think you're going to see even more Jaime Hawkins with the ball. Even sometimes with Tiger Campbell in the game, Jaime bring it up, and then Tiger can come get it, whatever. I think that is like Johnny Juzang leaving and Jaime Hawkins sitting around. The silver lining is in Jaime Hawkins' career right now. With Johnny Juzang going, I think it opens up an opportunity for him to be such a big college basketball player this year. I would assume for him to be on the early watch list for all the major awards, like a really big year for Jaime with Johnny leaving. So for Johnny Juzang, uh, integral part of UCLA's Final Four run and his legacy would be different, right? If they had had a dream run, not just to the national title game, but say they got through Gonzaga, mm-hmm. say they call a, a blocking foul instead of a charge at the end of that game there. And it's a, it's a free throw and he, he helps them take out to get past Jalen Suggs and company from that school, I guess, up North, you know, Spokane, I guess they're that school, up small, north school. Now. small school, small <laughs> school. And imagine they had the, the wherewithal to upset Baylor in the final who Look to be clearly the number one team, despite Gonzaga being undefeated in that national championship game. So if UCLA had won that, I don't think there's any way anybody surpasses the legacy of Johnny Juzang. But you 100%. take you take a blue blood program, a first four to a final four, you will be remembered. And I know it's the shot that lost the game from the game winner from Jalen Suggs that will be always remembered. But the run itself, all the teams they had to beat in that run. Solid. Last year, UCLA, pretty easy little run, right? Nothing too crazy to get through until losing to North Carolina, a game they led late. This year, and, the, and two I years. think that, uh, sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but I think the difference too, this year, the expectations were high. Like UCLA was expected to win so many games this year in the tournament, whereas the other year, it felt as if it was like you were playing with house money after they won two games. Everything else was like, oh, wow, they're not even supposed to be here, kind of was the feeling. I mean, yeah, you beat a Villanova team in overtime in front of a packed crowd at Pauley Pavilion, and that team goes to the Final Four, and that's Jay Wright's last squad because he retires. You feel like you should be there, especially with who is looming before in front of them in the lead eight. That's just kind of, it seems like it wasn't a swing and a miss last year, but you just ran into the wrong club, and that's what happens, right? In the NCAA tournament, you look at, oh, they got to the, the Sweet 16. Was that really the the ceiling for this team. That's kind of like that Lonzo ball esque UCLA team, right? They had all those expectations and they delivered as much as we don't want to say, I feel like they delivered, brought the hype back to Westwood and who they run into a Kentucky team and De'Aaron Fox ready to prove a message in the sweet 16 and who was looming again, North Carolina. But for UCLA, I just think they ran into the wrong team at the wrong time. And you, you almost could see it, the way the games had gone, that Pac-12 tournament title game had gone, that UCLA, you could see almost a faltering ready to happen. It's not like they really choked that North Carolina game away, but they found ways to win games the year before that they just weren't doing last year. And it came to fruition at the end of the tournament. I know this is kind of shifting away from the team itself, but 
This is a team that was really good, losing some core pieces, and they have lots of guys to make some new memories and maybe chase that elusive title that's been almost two decades in the making, if not even more, if the Bruins can't get it done this year. It definitely feels elusive. It feels like all the other Blue Bloods have kind of got one in, in our recent past, and UCLA is uh, just just falling short a couple times now, dating back to the Kevin Love, Russell Westbrook teams even, where the Ben Howland days where they really feel like they were going to get there and they didn't. Um, I mean, it. I don't know. You said it all. To me, it feels like I, I would agree in a sense that last year that it feel like you could kind of feel it coming and they, they ran into the wrong matchup, but I don't, I have no, I have no other words on that matter. I guess I'm, I'm at a, a loss here. I'm stuck. Yeah. We were still heartbroken after that tiger Campbell slip on the floor with the lead and, <laughs> and then North Carolina goes the other way and doesn't look back who until did, the who second didn't wipe that spot. Who didn't Fire wipe that, that spot? Fire well, that kid. Well then North Carolina pretty much didn't look back until the second half of the national championship game when they had that game one before blowing it. So that's going to do it for our look back at the guys who have left the roster, whether it be pro, whether it be for schooling, senior wise, just graduation or even transferring between the various stages of the five names. It was Miles Johnson, Peyton Watson, Cody Riley, Johnny Juzang and Jules Bernard. As we wrap up the, the first part of our two part episode in terms of the looking at the UCLA roster coming up next We'll discuss Throwback Thursday as we do something detailing some Throwback Thursday with UCLA men's basketball as we hear some words from some sponsors and come back on Locked On UCLA. We've already gone over who's left the UCLA roster. Now we're shifting gears a little bit again. Uh, you always hear me say shifting gears, whatever it is, whether you're tired of me saying those words, who cares as we're keeping on going in this episode of Locked On UCLA. Throwback Thursday not particularly as poignant and individually driven as last week with Anthony Barr, where he signed with the Cowboys and we went over his UCLA career and how he signed with the Cowboys, his NFL career leading to that Matt Barkley sack, one of the poignant modern day UCLA football moments that, and then the tipped INT back in 06 against the Trojans today, we're going over basketball because if you recently saw the Lakers unveiled a new uniform, the classic edition uniform. Yes, the Los Angeles Lakers for the 2022-2023 season because in honor of their 75th season, it's a nod to their franchise's journey from the Midwest out in Minneapolis out to the West. And if you remember, the Lakers initially were not purple and gold. The uniform, if you go look at it when you're at home or sitting down, it's a uniform that features the Minneapolis Lakers blue and gold colorway, the 50s era with the Lakers on the front. And for the Lakers, if you look at it, if you take a look at it, I saw it on NBA.com. They had a little mini release about it. And they look like the UCLA Lakers, like literally the UCLA Lakers. <laughs> if, you, if you think about it, they wear these uniforms, UCLA Lakers. And first... What do you think about another team in town practically wearing a UCLA uniform, Jake? What, what do you think? Let's get your thoughts about that first. I mean, I would be down first off if it was anybody but the Lakers. Just kidding, but not really. No, on a serious note, I would be down if it was like an ode to the UCLA Bruins 
or something like if they're wearing these jerseys i'm like i get that i get that i get it but it feels weird like i wish they were wearing this exact uniform and it was like john wooden night or something at crypto.com i almost called it staples at crypto.com arena you know they're doing ucla night and we're looking back at the life of john wooden so we have these super cool ucla themed jerseys on like that sounds super cool to me um i mean i get it it's historical but i i don't know doesn't it feel weird like everybody's everybody who watches this game that night whatever night they wear these jerseys every single person who watches the game is not gonna think oh wow this is like a minneapolis lakers thing every single person who watches the game is gonna go are they doing some sort of like ucla night thing like it's free promo for the bruins i guess so let's run it but it's like I don't know. Like, if I'm telling you, wait, wait till this game happens. And I hope we do an episode like the next day because I'm going to come on and I'm going to tell you, did you listen to the broadcast last night? How many times did Reggie Miller mention UCLA? Because for sure, they got to have Reggie Miller on this one. I don't know. I mean, they're cool. They, they are, they're a cool looking jersey, especially if you're a Laker fan and probably a UCLA fan, maybe. Uh, I just wish they were like for UCLA. Like, I wish that was the theme. Well, they're Laker jerseys, which got me thinking, going back that 14 years ago, when UCLA and Kevin Love at that point went to the Final Four that ended that Final Four run with the Ben Hallen era, what if they went back with that gold C in the old, in that one I year? I loved those. I loved those. Yeah. What, what Do you think they should go back to the UCLA uniforms with that gold C? I don't remember exactly but i i feel like the reason they had that jersey with the gold c it, it was some type of like special anniversary year uh commemorating something or another i don't think it was like on a whim so i don't know but i would always i loved the gold c jerseys i thought it was super cool and i'm 110 percent with bringing those back the ucla men's basketball twitter in late july put up a a little poll about which alternate or throwback uniforms would you rather the Bruins wear or just kind of which one would you rock the most? And they had the 1987 old school ones where there's the white, a lot of gold and blue. There's the all gold uniforms. There is Bruins in gold. And then there's the funky Kyle Anderson 2013, the all blues. I like the traditional or the recent traditional where it's the white, the UCLA, Mm -hmm. and just the random gold C. That seems like being so bold without being too dramatically off the the traditional sense of the past in UCLA men's basketball history. The gold C in 2008. That's uh those were probably arguably my favorite UCLA unis. I thought it was just like a very small but awesome detail that was included in the jerseys. I would always if they left it up to a fan vote, I'm for sure voting to bring those ones back. Though that's the that's the jersey I'm voting for. If Martin Jarman needs any ideas for fan interaction, we could do the Jersey vote. Just saying, Martin, if you're listening, dude, you could just throw the vote out there, dude. I want the gold. I want the gold C, like, especially since they had a good year that year and arguably were robbed because of Memphis and the cheating of Derrick Rose of being in the, the championship game. You know, Wait, why was that cheating again? Because Derrick Rose was ineligible. Remember someone else took his SAT. And got a oh, perfect score. <laughs> oh, dang. You know, How do you, if you're going to cheat, first off, not to get on a tangent, but if you're going to cheat on the SATs for me, I got to let you know, like, 
the guy was too smart about it. Like you can't score a perfect score for Derrick Rose. Like I got to tell the guy like, Hey, you purposely have to bleep up a couple of answers. Like, give me something good. I need a high score to get into Memphis, but I don't know if I need a perfect score from you. Like, can you mess up a little bit? Can you throw one or two of those math questions off for me? Perfect score is a dead giveaway, dude. You can't cheat. You can't cheat on the guy next to you in class and write every answer down. The teacher will then know you cheated. Come on, you gotta, you gotta sacrifice. You gotta get a ninety instead of a hundred on the test. Come on, this is you know first grade here. Just think that two thousand seven, two thousand eight UCLA men's basketball team went thirty five and four, made the Ooh. final four, sixteen and two in the Pac ten. What was then Ben Howland's fifth season? Two of those losses were vacated because one Memphis used an ineligible Derrick Rose, despite their wonderful season losing in the national championship game to Kansas. They had those wins vacated by the NCAA. Then USC had their win over UCLA vacated because of OJ Mayo receiving illegal benefits while playing for (laughs) USC. So theoretically they only lost two real games all year, one to Texas and the other one, to Washington. That's My goodness. Good. You know, like, there was a current Laker who was on that team. Yeah. He, but he wasn't a freshman. What, the, the, in 2008? 2007, two, Kevin Love's team. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Although I was like, was this is, I was like, I was like, this answer is way too simple for me not to get it's it. Right in front of sometimes, it's, <laughs> sometimes it's right in front of your face. Oh, man. Oh goodness. He, he, he probably would love to wear the gold C uniforms. I don't know. I'm speaking for him, but I, I, I just back. To I, the gold I, C. I don't want to speak for us, but I will right now. And I would say, I think he would, I think he would be with bringing those back for some nostalgic his, memories, his dunks, especially there in that tournament run. That's not, Oh my goodness. Russell Westbrook at, yeah. At 19 years old, the athleticism there was that dunk versus A&M at the buzzer that got uncounted after the game just because of betters. But it, but it counted, but it counted in my heart, in my heart, that thing counted. And I was like, good Lord, let's go. The sweet 16 <laughs> out at the, the Honda center. Like that was an epic. I just comeback. remember Kevin love being an absolute animal on those teams, dude. Like he was just like every rebound was his. It was like every game was like 10, 12, 14 rebounds. And it was just, a flurry of post moves and then it would be like hold up walk up three ball bang like i i just remember kevin love being one of the most unstoppable forces i had seen in recent memory i was young then so it was awesome i'm like this guy he's kind of round he's like a bigger kid but holy crap he is so skilled i cannot believe it wasn't the sweet 16 actually the second round it, it felt like a sweet 16 game, right? Because they pushed were playing. Them, pushed them to the sweet 16. It pushed them to the sweet 16. That was against the one seed Bruins versus the nine seed AM Aggies. That game we're talking about, that legendary dunk by Russell Westbrook that actually never. Those happened. are fun teams. Mba Mute, I believe, is, is probably on that team, possibly. A um, lot of future pros in that little Ben Howell and run. I mean, Collis and you name it. I mean, that team was, that era of UCLA was like, that's that's one of the first eras that really made me fall in love with UCLA basketball. Oh, man. The good days, soon to be greater days in the future, which is where part two of this UCLA men's basketball roster outlook will begin. We went through the guys who left the days of the past, kind of gave our thoughts of what happened the last couple of seasons, even 
somehow becoming nostalgic about the 07-08 team. That wasn't even supposed to be what happened, but we just went that way anyway because 35-4 and and your two losses were to teams who had their wins vacated. Whatever. Getting me all just drawn up and angry for no reason. We will bring the next episode with Jake Handy. We're going over UCLA men's basketball roster this year. Who's returned and who's new to the team? A lot of youth. It'll be fun. We'll go over it. We'll be old men, grumpy about everything and everything in between. And maybe if Devin Williams commits within that time, we'll have something to get excited about or maybe mad about within that frame. But for Jacob Handy, Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, go make Locked On Pac-12 your second listen with Spencer McLaughlin. But for Locked On UCLA, Bruin fans, get your hands in the air. And eight clap time. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U C L A. UCLA, UCLA fight, 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 baby. As uh, we say, adios, goodbye. We'll come to you with part two of the UCLA men's basketball outlook. This has been Locked on UCLA. Go Bruins.